<laughs> this is the quality. Uh, I okay. We'll we'll explain this as we go. Uh, <laughs> this is what I call the Leonard Nimoy podcast. I don't know. Uh, Leonard is probably going to be mad at. He's rolling in the grave, looking at me, going. <laughs> What are you doing? Don't do this. So this is Leonard Nimoy, Mutual Radio Theater uh, show of Genji, a space traveler from 1980, uh, October 3rd. And uh, I didn't even think about this. till We're, we're going to bash the heck out of this episode. Sorry. Uh, interesting episode to listen to just because it's so dated and the guy like is talking sounds seems like in seventies sort of jive lingo he's using and it, it really makes it sound dated. But there's tons of issues with this. But I think what's interesting is and I didn't realize it until I was listening to it this time, Leonard Nimoy like introduces it and he usually narrates throughout, but he doesn't narrate. It's 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 done by a, a, a different person doing the narrating than Leonard Nimoy. I wonder if he just sort of read it and said, "I'm out. I'll introduce yeah. it. <laughs> I want no part of this." <laughs> so, so Bob, you want to try? <laughs> I'm gonna try. I'll try. It's very difficult to summarize because it's kind of just a little disjunct. So it's about an artist who meets a space traveler named Genji. And I guess her purpose is to show him his purpose in life and take him on adventures. <laughs> it's well, it's so well said. It's, it's so dis, so disjunct. It's kind of it's the plot line's a little yeah disjunct and goes off in Jim? neat directions. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> it it uh, was definitely a different kind of episode. One hard to to listen to, you know, it, I, I could see it losing its audience as, as it plays. Yes. We were talking earlier about the fact that w- this, we air it without any commercials, of course. Right. And so it makes it, it, these episodes end up being 40 minutes long, but if you would have heard commercials, we all agreed by about the first commercial break, or at least the second commercial break, you'd just be gone. It, you, it, it just, the story takes so long to, and really never goes anywhere. I mean, that's the no. thing. It really, uh, I suppose, and I won't give away the ending in case anybody actually listens to that part, <laughs> but the ending, uh, I, I suppose, gives you a little bit. You get to see where the guy went in his, in his future. But other than that, it's pretty dicey throughout the whole thing that it doesn't really get moving and go anywhere. Bob? I was good that I had the advantage of being able to go back because I would be listening and then I would go, what, what, what? Did I miss something? We we went somewhere else that I was totally not expecting. If you were listening on the radio, you just go, what happened? I don't know where I'm at. And I can't go back and review it. So I don't, yeah, I just. Yes. You're more more dedicated. (laughs) Make this 40 minute presentation that's pretty bad make it into like a 70 minute presentation by going back and re-listening to parts of it again <laughs> yeah exactly the dedication there Bob. Enough i just replay enough it, it'll be a good story we're just not realizing it we probably didn't rewind enough maybe <laughs> that's it. Time. Really let it i just see. i just thought there's got to be some lead into this next scene but there never was so <laughs> i don't know why i can't it'll just go what oh, an hour over here? Okay. I, I kept rewinding like the first three minutes of it. 
<laughs> ran out of time. <laughs> he said, I'm giving this 40 minutes, and that's all I'm giving. Yeah. He just listened to the first three minutes like 10 times, and he said, okay, I'm done now. Uh, yeah. I totally forgive people for not making it through this episode. It, it It's interesting. I, I was telling the guys, I think it's sort of the um, folks that were producing this we're going, we want it to be artistic. We want it, and this is kind of their, maybe their artsy sort of episode that really doesn't get its point across all that well. And it's just, they're just trying to say, oh, we can do a deep, weird episode. The other thing, quite honestly, is as Jim and I were talking before the show, is you don't know what these people were on when they wrote these things. And so it sure sounds like if, I, if there's ever been a drug impacted writing experience this is probably it would you agree with that jim <laughs> yeah I, I i think so i think so definitely okay. i think i think we'll leave it at that enjoy this episode of leonard nimoy's mutual radio theater and uh we shall see if we're going to bring you more of these there i will say this the, I grabbed what I grabbed last week and this week were the two science fiction type episodes. I think there might only be two in the show's run. Most of them are action adventure sort of things, um, but it's still hosted by Leonard Nimoy. So we'll debate it amongst ourselves after the show and decide whether we're going to bring you more of these. Maybe we'll bring you other science fiction shows from other uh, shows. I just kind of like to hear Leonard Nimoy introduce things because we don't have Leonard anymore anymore. And it's kind of neat that he did these certainly last week's episode was a lot better than this week's episode. So anyway, enjoy what you can of this episode and we will come back to you this way. This is Leonard Nimoy. Our story concerns man's relationship to the incomprehensible. The incomprehensible is that which we ethnocentric earthlings know nothing of flattering ourselves with the peculiar notion that we are the only beings in the general scheme of things. From time to time, taking a few seconds from their daily activities, they, the space travelers, make an effort to correct our earthly nearsightedness. They come to visit and advise. It was a weird scene in a whole bunch of ways. Number one, I didn't want to go. I had a painting to finish. Number two, the theme of the whole business, a costume ball, a bow mask, the invitation called it, struck a funny note in my mind. I mean, I don't know, call it prejudice or whatever, but in the back of my mind, all I could visualize was a bunch of pseudo-artsy, craftsy types tripping around in thrift shop get-ups trying to impersonate people who were supposed to be having a good time. Oh, come on, Bridge. Don't be such a jive dude. The whole thing will just be pure kicks. You know, I've never seen a guy so glued to his workbench that he couldn't go out and have a little fun. <laughs> you, you, you call yourself an artist? I thought artists were supposed to be the guys who were going to teach the rest of us how to live it up. Drink wine, eat good food, party, hearty. <laughs> I was persuaded by superior rhetoric. And after the first hour had passed, decided to enjoy myself. Costumed as oddly as everybody, with a Fulani straw hat on my head and Mexican poncho on my shoulders, I strolled around the huge hall, our bal mask 
was being staged in, enjoying the weird outfits and the art school behavior. You know, the wild artistic stuff. Well, well, old Bridge has finally decided to let his hair down. If that's supposed to be a pun, the phrasing is wrong. What he means, Bridge, is that you seem to be enjoying yourself. (laughs) Maybe you could say that. (laughs) Well, stick it out. The best is yet to come. Come on, Bill. Let's join the wild bunch. He spotted her the minute his friends danced away. She was there, leaning against one of the festooned pillars of the ballroom. I was certain she hadn't been there a second before. They looked at each other and exchanged warm smiles. I studied her costume. She seemed to be impersonating Joan of Arc, but with a difference. Her outfit seemed real. I mean, it looked absolutely authentic. As the evening danced on, he found himself drawn to the lady in the chain mail getup. Five steps away, bumped and circled by the wild bunch, he studied her. Small woman, fine bones, a profile that seemed to have been chipped from a Mayan temple wall. I think the thing that jolted me the most were her eyes. She had eyes like a big cat, a tiger, or a leopard. Yellowish and gleaming, different. Hey, Bridge, come on. We're going over to Flapjacks for breakfast. Hey, bring, bring your friend with you, huh? What friend? He means me. Roland Bridge, artist, turned to stare into the strange eyes of the woman reaching her hand out to him. I should have known something different was in store for me when I felt this electrical charge travel up my arm. And that's only the beginning of our story. <laughs> Radio Theater, a new adventure in radio listening. Five nights of exceptional entertainment every week. Brought to you in Elliot Lewis's production of the Mutual Radio Theater. Our story, Gen G, a space traveler by Odie Hawkins. Our stars, Robert Doki, Kim Hamilton, and Nick Latour. Roland Bridge, artist found himself centered in a situation that seemed to have no walls. Suddenly, it was there, and it had his right hand, quietly charging his being with a tranquilizing voltage. As an artist and a sensitive person, he found an abstract fascination in the sensation. We stared at each other across the restaurant table, alternately watching Bill wipe out a short stack and Dave attempt to blow up one of his socks like a balloon. What you might call the bell of mass aftermath. He couldn't figure out his involved feelings. It wasn't love at first sight or any kind of physical attraction. But with all the commotion going on around us, it was kind of hard to figure out what my feelings were. She was attractive, no doubt about that. But that wasn't the way she appealed to me. I felt that she had something to tell me, something terribly important. Dregs of the bow mask on the beach at dawn. Who are you? My name is Genji. That's your name. Who are you? They sat next to each other on the dawn-streaked beach, digging their toes into the cold sand. I am a space traveler, Roland. He made an instant decision to keep it light, to not bog the situation down. Space traveler, huh? 
Well, I don't think I've ever met one before. <laughs> I know. You know quite a few things, don't you? Yes. Hey, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a little tired of being the dregs of the ball must. Uh, now, why don't we call it dawn? <gasps> oh, my head is beginning to throb already. She eased out of the car and stood on the curb, looking back into the car at me, waiting. He felt compelled to get out of the car. His friends cast a hard, sympathetic look in his direction before taking their leave. Uh, see you later, Bridge. Yeah, take it easy. Feeling vaguely scared and extremely curious about what was going on, I followed her as she walked backwards up a path with shells that looked like small, luminous turtlebacks. She led him to the door of a small cottage behind a larger structure. The cottage had obviously been a garage at some point in the past. I didn't know where I was. Literally, I didn't know where I was. She had given Dave some off-brand directions, and now we were there. He stared at the door, at the large pink eye swiveling at him from the center of the door. Open it. The eye softened to a ripe yellow as he reached for the gold-plated knob. The inside really overwhelmed me. It was like walking into the weirdest collage I had ever seen. I couldn't tell how large or how small the place was because the pictures, the expressions that covered every inch of the walls and ceiling ruled out simple measurement or dimensions. Bulgarian license plates, fashion magazine ads, African graffiti, labels from Swedish cornflake boxes, and I mean that kind of thing. Roland Bridge stood in one spot, his eyes dazzled by the spectrum of colors and items that surrounded him, while Ginger slowly walked in a circle around him as though she were a spider weaving a web. Please, feel at ease. This will be your home for the next two days. Bridge certainly felt frightened. Two days? Oh, no. No, I have to... No, I, no, I, I have to go. I, I, I have to. Oh, you couldn't leave now, could you? In the middle of a rainstorm? Rain? I couldn't believe it. Aside from the fact that we hadn't had any rain for months, aside from that, I... No, no, I, I, I don't oh, know. Oh, make yourself at home. I want to change. Despite the fact that he had been awake all night, Roland felt alert, fresh, bewildered. I had no idea how many rooms the house had or how it was constructed. But with the spaced-out decor, and it seemed that when she went to change, she simply melted into another room. I was mystified. He slid into an alcove that resembled a restaurant booth. It was painted mad Russian white with slashes of burgundy polka dots. Collecting himself, he carefully studied this new environment, folded his hands on the table in front of him. I must have stared at one section of a wall for five minutes before I realized she was there. A paisley caftan blended so naturally. She sat across from him in the alcove with a box of knitting material and began to knit faster than his eyes could follow. What, what are you doing? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe I'm knitting you a suit, or maybe I'm building a house, or connecting today with tomorrow. 
He stared up at a patch of sky that had suddenly frothed into angry clouds and lightning. A moment before, he could have sworn that a picture by Charles White had covered the space. Look, I surrender, okay? I feel like I'm in outer space somewhere. I mean, what do you want with me? I want to discuss your future. I may be able to offer you a few life-changing hints. Who knows? resist the lures of clairvoyancy. How many of us would give almost everything to know what the future holds? Genji, a space traveler, continues. Roland Bridge stared at the odd things happening in the picture frame above Genji's head. The clouds changed from green to a bright orange. The rain splattered against the window pane, big, moist, juicy drops. Oh, no. I bet one of those nuts at the bow slipped some kind of weird drug into my drink. No, Roland. It isn't dope or anything. All of what this is about is real. Well, what is it? I mean, what are you talking about? My future? What about my future? I told you, Roland. I'm a space traveler. There. Finished. Go in there and try it on. It should be a perfect fit. He stared at the three-piece banker's pinstripe knitted in gold and fawn brown wool. It wasn't possible. They had just sat down a few minutes before. I found my way into the bathroom. It was decorated, too. The tub was painted zebra aquamarine and had three gorgeously colored fish in it. One of them spat a stream of water up at me as I put the suit on. It was a perfect fit. Weird-looking by ordinary standards, but beautiful. I glanced around, looking for a window. I wanted to escape suddenly. I, I didn't want to know what my future would be. There is no place to go, Roland. Please come back and sit down. Uh, I wasn't trying to go anywhere. <laughs> they all say that. What do you mean, they all say that? Who? It's a nice fit, isn't it? The suit? Oh, the suit's beautiful. It fits like a glove. But you didn't answer my question. What was your question? My question was, you said they all say that. And I asked who? I don't understand your question. Well, to be frank with you, I don't either. I feel confused. Good. The curious type. I like that. Sit and I'll answer your question. In some way, he found himself sitting on the opposite side of the alcove table, staring into a larger window above and behind her head. The clouds that passed seemed to alternately frown and smile at him. I went kind of nutty one time trying to imagine the state of mind Picasso must have been in when he painted the three-faced woman. Or was it one of his other masterpieces? I couldn't remember. I found myself approaching that same state of disorientation again. You look puzzled. Sounds like an understatement, even to me. Would you care for a cup of tea? A cup of tea? What the hell are you talking about? I've been shanghaied from the real world. Everything. I'm sitting across a table from somebody who calls herself a space traveler, and you ask me if I would like a cup of tea? A cup of tea? 
For a few minutes, Ginger's eyes walled back into her head as though she had become blind, revealing the oddest shape of red he had ever seen. He eased away from the table, determined to escape, but couldn't find a doorknob. He searched frantically for a few moments before returning to his seat. Forgive me, Roland. Your anger reminded me of Napoleon for a moment. Napoleon? Yes. He, too, was capable of instant rage. Poor fellow. I warned him to stay out of Russia, what with the winter approaching and all. What kind of tea would you like? Chinese, Indian, Japanese? Chinese be fine. He blinked at her movement, which was not so much a movement as it was a reconstruction of molecules from one place to another. She was here and then there, by sections. I love a good cup of tea at the end of a second. What is she talking about? Space travel, Napoleon, the end of a second. Yes, Roland, a second. Hmm. I won't attempt to boggle your mind with our time sense. Simply allow me to assure you that one of your seconds is equivalent to one of our days. Well, give or take a moment or two. It's fine tea, isn't it? Roland slumped in place, cradling the steaming cup of tea in his hands, mystified. Now then, where were we? You were going to tell me about my future. I was going to give you a few hints about your future. And you've been wondering, why me? Did I say that? You were thinking it. Well, let's face it. How many people have the opportunity to meet anyone who proposes to predict their future? Good. You said opportunity. That sounds very optimistic to me. I'm an artisan. That doesn't breed optimism. I don't know what does. Ginger fixed a shrewd eye on Roland's face. It had been years since she had met a positive-thinking Earth person. Roland, what if I didn't have anything to say to you that was optimistic? I I don't quite understand. You do understand, don't you? Yes, I think I do. Strange. Down through the ages, the ones who've been the most optimistic were the ones who had the most to lose. Roland tensed up, his mind flashing back to his art school days and the hard times that followed, those bitter days when his best work was rejected or uncharitably compared to better-known artists. For a moment, his eyes dotted around the collard space he found himself in, subconsciously wishing that he weren't where he was, wherever it was. Not to worry, Roland. The future might not be as bad as you would imagine. I'm not really worried. Just curious. I like that. A willingness to accept whatever. Would you like another cup of tea? Only if it includes my future. Emotional involvements have their own special pitfalls. Those places into which facets of the soul fall, never to be regained. And none has more than the one Roland Bridge, artist, is about to plunge into. Roland stared into the face across from him, at the different shadings and planes that rippled across it as she talked, her knitting needles blurring again. Unreal. Completely unreal. 
I'm afraid I must hedge a bit concerning the prediction I just made. The telephone. If only I could get far enough away from this one thing, I'd be happy. Hello? Just a sec. It's for you. Couldn't be. I mean, no one, uh, none of my friends has your number. I mean, you didn't give your number to Dave or Bill, did you? Your name is Roland Bridge. Yes. It's for you. Hello? Mr. Roland Bridge. Yes? And we're pleased to inform you that you've won third prize of our annual Tricky Feet Scrap Bag. I've done what? You've won third prize, a brand spanking new 10-speed DeGrazia racing bike. Congratulations. You may pick your prize up by bringing in the ticket stub of your Tricky Feats receipt. And once again, congratulations. Bad news? No, not really. A little confusing, but not bad. Not bad at all. Somebody just informed me that I've won a bicycle. Sounds great to me. There's nothing better than a bike. Using your own muscles to propel yourself, the wind in your face. Roland slowly shook his head from side to side. I can't make myself believe this. I cannot make myself believe this. Well, then, where were we? You were starting to tell me that my life was going to speed up, become faster, that I, I would be covering more ground than I, I, than I, than I have e ever covered. Roland stared at the framed black square of window, at the stars piercing through. Gingy, what time is it? Your time or mine. How long have I been in here? Only a few moments. Wonder who that could be. He tried to follow the odd, blurring motion that she used to take herself from here to there, and found that he couldn't. Her hand reached out to a section of the wall that was painted a glowing green paisley and pulled open a door. He blinked at the bright sunlight streaming in behind the three people in the doorway, a man, a woman, and a little girl. He glanced up at the window. How can it be night in the window and day in the door? Oh, how nice! Medea, Neptune, Cupid, so good to see you again after all this time. Hello. Oh, hi! Roland stared at the faces of the people gathered in front of the place where the door had been seconds before. The man had a beard. The woman was a tall, porcelain-skinned creature with clear green eyes and a fierce mane of jet-black hair. Hello! His eyes swept from the doll-like girl at his elbow to the trio having an animated conversation in the middle of the room. Their mouths were moving, but he couldn't hear anything. The little girl climbed onto the seat opposite him. Don't pay them any attention. They always do that when they get together. What's your name? My name? Yes, you do have one, don't you? Sure, yes, of course. Uh, my name is Roland, Roland Bridge. What's yours? Chera bye bye. Um, you may call me Cupid. Everybody does. Has Gingy given you your future yet? Oh, she she was about to. Well, don't develop any anxieties about it. She will. She always does. Hey, listen. You've got to help me. Oh, well, how can I help you? I'm only a little girl. Please, for the sake of my sanity, tell me where I am. This is another place, Roland. Another place. How do you do? My name is Neptune Smith Bye-bye. I'm Medea Bye-bye, and I see you've already met Cupid. Roland was startled to see Ginger and the people who had come to visit her looming over him. The man and woman seemed to be giants until they squeezed into the seat beside their little girl, and then their bodies seemed to shrink to normal size. Well, how do you like it? 
How do I like what? This other place, Genji's house. Well, maybe I'd like it more if I knew where it was. I mean, you know what I mean? Well, they all say that. It seems that I've heard that before. <laughs> there, what could be better than a pot of hot tea? Roland stared at the faces across from him. The room seemed to glow from the warm expression on their faces. They were enjoying the hot tea more than he had ever seen anyone enjoy anything. Are 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 you guys um, space travelers too? Well, unfortunately, I'm not. I'm just one of your simple earthbound witches. You're a witch. Oh, don't get nervous. I've done all the mischief I could do this morning. You've won third prize, a brand spanking new ten-speed DeGrazia racing bicycle. Congratulations! You may pick your prize up by bringing in the ticket stub of your tricky feats receipt. And once again. Congratulations. Roland frowned for a second, smiled, and hesitantly <laughs> began to laugh. Ginger, Medea, Neptune, and Cupid, like in his sense of humor, began to laugh with him. A contagious, rib-tickling torrent of laughter. Nimoy again, and here's the fourth act of Genji, a space traveler. Roland Bridge, multifaceted artist, a creative representative of all of us who've met at some point in our lives, someone from somewhere else. I was talking to George Washington Carver the other day about my plants, and he offered me some perfectly marvelous suggestions. Things like what nutrients would be best for the Gingy, soil? Gingy, you've completely gotten off the track again. You are explaining yourself to our bewildered friend. Oh yes, yes indeed. So I was. Where was I? Watching Ginger's eyes back into their sockets, revealing the incredible redness behind her eyeballs, was no longer frightening. He knew now that it was her way of remembering. An eminent mathematician once explained me to myself. By explaining that my molecular structure had been spontaneously disjointed eons ago. What? Sounds funny, doesn't it? <laughs> In effect, he explained that I really didn't exist, except as a composition of eclectic vibrations. Is that what gives you the power to forecast the future? In a sense, it's like a tiny, tiny particle of me has been years ahead. Our years, that is. And because of that, I know something about the future. Just a smidgen. Mostly I know about the past. Uh, let's stay with the future for a bit. You mean you can tell me about my future because you've known me before? Well, not exactly. Not in your present form. You have to keep a couple of things in mind, Roland. Number one, you died when you were 85. Remember? Roland Bridge released a deeply held breath, relieved to know that he had 60 years more of life ahead of him. Roland, love, why do you ask so many questions? Because, because this is all completely new to me and I want to find out as much as I can about it. Don't you think you would learn just as much by not asking any questions? What? No questions? Right, no questions. Genji has given your future to you and now we're having tea. Why ask questions? Why not simply be? Oh. 
guy. I must be crazy. I must be crazy. I've been taken away from everything I know. I don't know what time it is or if it's day or night or, or what. And I'm with people who don't even seem to be real people. Oh, I want out of here. I want out, 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 out James of here. Medea, Cupid, and Neptune sadly watched Roland pound and scratch at the walls, searching frantically for a doorknob, a way out. Why? Why would anyone want to go back into the past? Why? Maybe they feel safer. Jenny, please let me out. Let me go back to what I know and understand. This is too much for me. But, Roland, I've given you your future. Stay here and you'll arrive much sooner. If you go back, it'll take you ages to get where you were yesterday. Roland clamped his hands over his ears to blot out the strange words, mm -hmm. the weird concepts. It seemed to make no sense. Yesterday was tomorrow and today was in the future or maybe the past. What are you, some kind of nut? Get out of the street! Roland unclamped his hands from his ears and looked around him. He was standing in the middle of one of the city's busiest streets. His clothes seemed to be attracting as much attention as his precarious position in the middle of the busy street. He skipped and dodged his way to safety, paused to stare at his reflection in a furniture store window. A Roman soldier? Wow! Where is this? How in the world did I get in, in this outfit? The store window seemed to melt his Roman soldier outfit back to another time as he stared at his image. Roland, this is my good friend, Julius Caesar. No, no, sorry, Ginger. You're not going to be able to convince me of anything like this. I got out of your house, remember? No, no, you didn't, Roland. You just found your way into another room. Who is this person, Ginger, this plebeian, who dares not acknowledge me? Uh, this is Roland Bridge, Julius. You know how you just run into people sometimes. Oh, no! This is Midnight Movie Stop, Julius Caesar? Caesar! Hail, Caesar! You must come to the Senate immediately. Brutus needs you. Brutus, you say? Aye, Caesar. Brutus indeed. Uh, Genji, I must go. Stay a while. We'll lunch out on the terrace upon my return. In the meantime, speak civilly to this person of who I am, of my triumphs, the importance of my presence to Rome... To the whole world. Yep, will do, Caesar. Rome? Caesar? You stepped into the kitchen. Genji, look, I know I've been a lot of trouble for you, but could, could you, could you please put me back where I belong? I'm disappointed in you, Roland. I thought you'd be more than willing to be a space traveler. Space traveler? Me? We try to recruit only the most imaginative. Well, what are the advantages? Well, you get to meet people like Julius Caesar, for example. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to build up any dictator as a stellar attraction. But I'm sure you'd like to meet Leonardo da Vinci. Da Vinci? you got to be kidding me. I've always wanted to meet Leonardo da Vinci. Buongiorno, Roland. Oh, Janzi, it's so good to see you again. Leonardo da Vinci! Hey, wait till I tell David and Bill about this. Hey, 
Hey, wait, 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 wait. Hey, don't, hey, don't go. He's Come back. I want to... He's a busy person, Roland. You could visit with him longer if you cared to remain in the past future. In space. You mean I'd have a chance to meet Caruso and Coltrane, Matisse, Bird, and people like that? As long as you like. And you never get old, Roland. You remain the same age as when you became a space traveler. <laughs> I've been 32 for years. Wish I could say the same for Ginger. Hmm. I'm confused. I'm really confused. Are you guys here in Rome or wherever we were? The furniture store window once again became its normally reflective self. Roland smiled at his Roman soldier image, at the people gathered around him. No matter what you might say about it, folks, at times there's no place like home. Come on in, it's unlocked. Bridge, where have you been? We've been worried sick about you, old buddy. Yeah, where you been, man? Hey, one at a time, please. Where have you been? That better? Right here. I don't believe this guy. We've been all over at least 20 times since last week. No one has seen you in the usual places, and you sprawl out on that, that... that Inverted camel back sofa. Looking up at the ceiling with a goony bird expression on your face. Oh, come on now, Bridge. We're your friends. Where have you been? You can tell us. We're your friends. Did you try Gingy's place? That Joan of Arc person you left with? We couldn't find her house. Roland Bridge slowly sat up on his sofa and stared at his two friends. What do you mean you couldn't find her house? We couldn't find it. We just couldn't. We couldn't even find the street that, that the house was on. I don't know if you remember or not, but the directions that woman gave me to get to her place sounded like the recipe for a banana split or something. Wow! Where did you get that soup, Bridge? i never seen anything like it. Hmm, thought you looked different somehow. Yeah, it is different. Where did you get it? It's a long story, gentlemen. Believe me, a long story. Well, let me pull up a chair. I got more time than anything else. Well, I hardly know where to begin. I mean, you guys might think I'm putting you on or something. Now, don't worry about it, Bridge. A guy who disappears for a week and returns from wherever, wearing a suit like yours, deserves some consideration. Well, let me clear a couple of things up at the beginning. Gingy and I were not lovers or anything like that. <laughs> she was a spiritual force. She and all the people around her. Yeah, she did have weird-looking eyes. I remember that. What are you trying to tell us, Bridge? I'm trying to tell you that Gingy was a space traveler. Bridge! Uh, hold on, stop. Now, I, I've, I, I, I've had enough. Yeah, stop, stop. Stop what? Well, stop this... Uh, this... Uh, you're taking this whole thing too far. What do you take us for, a couple of dummies? Nobody in his right mind would go for a story like that. I know. I know. Cupid and Neptune told me that they had the same problem when they went back. Now, Medea didn't have very many problems at all, strangely enough. Maybe being a witch helped smooth things out. <laughs> These are the people you met at this Genji's house? Right. They had been recruited centuries before. And uh, then... Bridge, uh, huh? I'd like to stay and chat a while longer, but uh, I, I got to run. A couple of things, you know, to, to do. You know how it is. Yeah, uh, me too, Bridge. Well, you got to go. You got to go. Well, thanks for dropping by. Uh, be seeing you, old buddy. Take care of yourself. Yeah, and, and try to relax, Bridge. Now, remember, all work and no play makes for a dull day. What do you think? I don't know what to think. Well, why don't we check on him again uh, tomorrow? 
He stared at the door, thinking about his friends. Well, what could you expect? How many people would believe that I had met Julius Caesar, Leonardo da Vinci, Geronimo, Gandhi, Malcolm X, Cleopatra, Stravinsky, Duke Ellington, people like that? Yeah. Who would ever believe it? He had also found it hard to believe Ginger's prediction that he would go into politics. From art to politics? No way. Roland strolled along the beach, a shaft of driftwood swinging aimlessly from his hand. He loved the beach at twilight, the incredible tapestry that spilled itself across the horizon. After a few meditative steps, he turned to look back up at his home, a nest of stone and redwood that was so perfectly perched on the hillside above the beach that it seemed a natural part of the landscape. He waved, knowing that Sandra would be looking at him, the way she usually did whenever she didn't accompany him on his evening walk. He slowly lowered his arm and stared at his home. What more could I possibly want? A beautiful wife, two lovely children, a home on the ocean, success in my career. His attention was drawn back to the horizon, to a collection of clouds that seemed to form a face. Gingy. Gingy. The clouds ignored him and slowly drifted on, past a sunset that gleamed like dull gold. Stupid. How could I think a bunch of clouds looked like Gingy? He squatted at the ocean's edge to watch the rounded edge of the sun dip below the horizon, his thoughts lazily swirling through the speech he was scheduled to make to the convention. Never can tell how much of my foot I might have to pull out of my mouth. I'd best keep my speech short and sweet. till his meeting with the space traveler Genji of what his future held in store for him gradually made a strange transformation from struggling artist to successful politician exactly as she had predicted ladies and gentlemen fellow delegates I'm honored to be standing here before you this evening privileged to be able to say to you the best is yet to come and our party is going to be the one to make it happen Yes, the best is yet to come, and it is my sincere intention to speed up the process. My distinguished colleague and political opponent has suggested that I might not be capable of making anything happen. I choose not to engage in trivial debate over the right or wrong of that allegation. I simply refer you to my record, to the progressive manner in which I have addressed myself to the issues. There she was, sitting in the first row. The eyes were unmistakably hers. The clothes were from Egypt, but no one seemed to notice except for Congressman Roland Bridge. Gingy! Gingy! She made a big wink with her left eye, 
gave him an A-OK donut signal with thumb and forefinger and was gone. Jinji, wait. I want to ask you something. Mutual Radio Theater is brought to you five nights a week at this time. Tonight's original radio play, Gen G, A Space Traveler, was written by Odie Hawkins and produced and directed by Livia Granito. Your host was Leonard Nimoy. Our stars were Robert Doki, Kim Hamilton, and Nick Latour. Featured in the cast were David Downing, Ray Tosco, June Foray, Dawes Butler, and Michael Rye. John Harlan speaking. Associate Director of Mutual Radio Theater is Ken McManus. Sound effects were created by Bud Tolefson. Mark Trella is production supervisor. Recording engineer, Al McDonald. Music editor, Lee Ringette. The Elliott Lewis production of Mutual Radio Theater is a presentation of CBI. Mutual Radio Theater has been brought to you in part by CERTA Perfect Sleeper Mattresses and Foundations. With the top comfort and deep support for firmness that feels good. And that's a healthy investment in yourself. This is Lorne Green. Join us again next Monday at this time for another new and original radio play about America's past. <laughs> <laughs>